Hey. Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me? Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for doing this. This is so cool. Nope. No problem, man. I've been uh, on a couple this week, so it's exciting to get to no, talk yeah, to that's people. Awesome. No, yeah, it's preparing you for when you hit the big stage and the media obligations will be crazy, right? For sure. Yes. Um, sorry about yesterday too. Like I No was, worries, man. I was not feeling good at all. So yeah. Um, so it was pretty cool. Like I saw you followed me on Instagram and I checked out your profile and stuff, and I was like, this is awesome. And I was like, I want to interview this guy. So yeah, thank you for coming on again. So do you want to kind of talk about your background a little bit and how you got yeah. into wrestling and um, maybe even your kind of decision to go to NIU, which is an awesome school? Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, so um, my dad wrestled. I played all mm-hmm. sorts of sports uh, growing up until high school. I didn't really get into any sports like I did with wrestling, though. I mm-hmm. played football, I played soccer, um, but I really liked the individual aspect of wrestling. I hated yeah. I, I didn't like football that much because I didn't feel like I could do enough. You know, like you'd get a tackle and you feel like it wasn't done or, you know, you're only playing half the game and, uh, you know, you'd lose and it'd be somebody's fault. You'd win. It'd be somebody else's like credit, you know? Yeah. So I really liked wrestling because when I lost, it was all on me. When I won, it was all on me. Yeah. And, uh, I think that individual aspect was huge for me, but, um, I played soccer my freshman year of high school okay. and, uh, then wrestled the following season. And after that, I was like, I'm just wrestling from here on out awesome. and, uh, was already already knew I wanted to wrestle in college. Um, mm-hmm. but when I was getting recruited, I got recruited by a decent amount of places. You know, I was a fairly marketable, um, wrestler coming out of Illinois mm-hmm. with, uh, an undefeated state title, three state finals yeah. appearances, a couple all American medals and, uh, not terrible grades. So it was, <laughs> I got, you know, like offers from like Mizzou and uh, awesome. a bunch of other places. Ultimately, I think I really kind of wanted to stay close to home and, and go division one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, NIU was a really good opportunity for that, uh, 45 minutes from where I grew up. Oh, that's um, so yeah. And so it was really nice being close to home. Uh, so that was a big deciding factor. It's funny though. Cause like when I was in eighth grade, uh, my teacher had us fill out where I'm that like where I'm going to be when I graduate from high school questionnaire. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had put that I was going to wrestle at either NIU or the university of Illinois. And I didn't even recall doing that. And I read it when I graduated, it was kind of like very self-fulfilling that I had picked that out when I was yeah. in eighth grade. That's awesome. Have yeah. you always kind of been an NIU fan growing up? Um, we would go, that was where, um, sectionals for basketball was held, like oh, okay. super sectionals, I think. So I had been a few times, I'd never been to any like football games, but, mm-hmm. um, I knew a couple guys who had wrestled there that I was fans of watching them wrestle in high school. That's so awesome. I, I don't know if I ever really thought about it though, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I really enjoyed the school. I enjoyed my visit and I had, uh, a couple people that I knew from high school wrestling that had gone there. So it was a pretty easy decision, I think. Yeah, I, I remember like when I was first um like NIU. Do you remember Jordan Lynch? He's mm-hmm. the yeah. That's when they like, when they played like Florida State and stuff. That's when I kind of got like that's when uh, NIU kind of hit the map. I feel like like yeah. football wise, that's where I like finally recognized it, which is really cool. But yeah, oh yeah, that's awesome. That was my freshman year of college. Was mm-hmm. uh, when they played Florida State and we're in the Orange Bowl. No, yeah, yeah. I looked that I looked that up because I was wondering like it might have been like mm-hmm. the same time that you were there. That's awesome. He was like a senior, mm-hmm. I think, when you. Was it your first yeah. year there? Yep. Yeah. My first year there. And then I was, uh, I was there as well when he came back and coached for a season too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good dude. Really, uh-huh. really talented, uh, quarterback in college, but, um, yeah, it's, it's cool to get that notoriety for being such a small division one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a school right in the center of a cornfield. Like you look out of the dorm windows and all you see is corn all around you. So yeah, wow. yeah. From from most of the spots in a dorm window, you look out and see corn. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's kind of how. Have you? I don't know if you've ever been to like Washington State University, but in Pullman, mm-hmm. Washington, it's basically like that. Like it just plans for days, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's a random city. That's hilarious. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. So when you were kind of going through high school, and obviously you're like a well accomplished wrestler going in, uh, and then wrestling in college, has was MMA like ever on your mind? Like were you? ever aware that you can maybe make a career out of it? Um, I definitely wanted to do it. So I had my first fight when I was 16. Um, oh, I did, wow. a, yeah, I did a, a pancreas fight, which is like MMA. You just can't hit in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, I was sitting out for some reason. Like I had 
I had just gotten like my cauliflower ear drained, you know, and there was nothing I could do in practice. And, uh, my coach who had just bought our club out was like, well, why don't you come to our like uh, kickboxing class and like learn how to hit the bag? And mm-hmm. I went for a day to that. And, uh, he was like, why don't you just take a fight? And I was like, okay, you know, like, it's not a big deal. Like I'm not going to get hit in the face or anything. Mm-hmm. Ran it by my mom. Hard. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hard. No, that got denied really quick. And, uh, I remember, I don't remember what I did, but I did my dad a favor. I can't remember what favor I did him, but I was like, the cost of this favor is that you sign the waiver and then I get to go fight and you don't tell mom till like the week before, you know? So we pulled a fast one on her and Mm -hmm. she found out like two weeks that I was actually going to go fight and, uh, fought one, loved it. She hated it. She said never again. And, um, I don't know that I ever thought oh, this could be a career at the time. MMA wasn't as like big as it is now. So Mm -hmm. maybe it was, it was something I wanted to try for real. But, um, you know, the more I thought about what I wanted to do with my life, the more I realized I didn't really know. (laughs) And, uh, no, yeah, I I got, yeah. It's like, I got to the point where I was finishing my master's degree and I was like, I have no idea what I want to do with this. Like I'm halfway down with my master's. I don't, I don't want to work in an office. I like coaching mm-hmm. wrestling, but I was doing all this work coaching these guys where like, I was wrestling like four or five hours out of the day with, uh, you know, division one wrestlers. I was in like some of the best shape I'd ever been in. I was like, right. it's stupid that I'm doing all this work and not competing. So I just took yeah. a fight and, uh, really started to fall in love with it. And was like, you know what? Like I'm young, I have a fallback plan if this doesn't work out. So I'm going to give it a shot. And I, uh, went and, um, kept taking fights. I fought five times in six months and, uh, yeah. And I got to fight in Mexico and just get to see some really cool things where, you know, I never thought I was a part of Mexico. I wouldn't have experienced had I not been fighting. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was like, I want to do this for sure. Like if this can take me to places like this and see things like this, that's what I want to do. If all I get out of the experience is I get to, you know, see the world and see some cool things. That's fine by me. That's awesome. Yeah. It's wild how fast the sport's grown because you're still so young. And then, but some Mm -hmm. of these guys, it wasn't even like on their mind to fight. You know what I mean? But now it's like, people, everyone wants to get to the UFC or fight in Bellator or something, something mm-hmm. like that for sure. So when you finally racked up a few amateur wins, um, what kind of, I read a little bit, like there's a really good article done on you. I forget mm-hmm. the, I forget who did it, but, um, do you want to go through your story of how you finally chose MMA lab as yeah. where you wanted to train? So, um, I got a call from an agent and uh, a manager Lance Spod, the guy who manages me now. And, uh, I'd been working with him for like the last like year or so, but they just signed me cause uh, they had to wait till I took my pro debut. But, um, just like by weird happenstance, I like kind of knew this guy who had grew, grew up wrestling in the same mm-hmm. area of me in Rockford, Illinois. And, uh, he's a really smart dude wrestled in college and then went pre-law and he got the legal internship at the UFC which is like pretty big deal. It was a really good internship and, um, they don't pay you anything. So well, they pay you, but like not a lot. So he was in Vegas doing this internship and living with Lance, who is now my manager. And he had asked him like, do you know any like local guys from back home that are, that are like college wrestlers or good wrestlers that are fighting now? And he brought me up That's and I got sick. a call from him. Yeah. Just like, you know, the stars aligning yeah. and, um, he was like, you know, we'd like to see you at one of the gyms we work with. And he gave me some options and, uh, the MMA lab was on that list. And my roommate from college moved to Phoenix with his ex girl, well, his girlfriend, and then they broke up <laughs> and he had, you needed a roommate. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can be down there in like, this is like a month or two before I finished my master's degree. I was like, I finished my master's degree. I'm out the next weekend. And, uh, I visited for a week just to try the gym out. You know, I went down, it was like late April, right after I had fought my last fight and, uh, tried the gym out and knew within like two, three days, I was like, this is where I want to be. I like the people here. Coach Crouch was awesome. It was such a, a welcoming environment. And, uh, we went that week and signed a lease for an apartment. And, uh, that was, you know, that was it. I went back home. I didn't go to graduation. I stuck around to, uh, meet my nephew who had just been born mm-hmm. and, put a u-haul behind my impala and drove it like 1500 miles across the country (laughs) yeah that's a long track (laughs) 
it is a long trek. It was like 20, how many hours? Was it 26, 27 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And stayed the night in Oklahoma with uh, one of my old teammates and uh, got to Phoenix and basically started training like a week later after I had settled in and everything and uh, the rest is history. That's awesome. So was there any other candidates or were you kind of just like sold after you took that, like kids to visit you just like, yeah, uh, nobody that I took seriously. Like yeah. I thought about like Rufus sport mm-hmm. and I thought about like factory X Muay Thai in, um, in Denver where like Anthony Smith is at with coach Mark Montoya. Okay. They're all places that my management team works with. And, um, yeah, I took the visit to the MMA lab and I was like, I don't really see a reason to go anywhere else. Uh, you know, they're such a good gym and worry and just lost my headphones. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> it's okay. That, those are sweet though. That's like a little mic in there. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Those are those headphones. They're like, there's like a mic and stuff. That's sick. Yeah. Oh, sounds uh, really good. I've been on planes all day, so they just died. But now I can no, like, okay. hear you. Hold up. No, it's okay. Is there a way to like turn speaker on? There we go. Awesome. Yeah. There, that's right. All right, cool. But um, yeah, what my biggest worry was that I was gonna I was gonna go to like a factory gym and like get lost mm-hmm. in the system, which was yeah. my same like worry when I was getting recruited for college too which is partly why I decided against Mizzou because Mizzou had like 45 guys on their roster. It was like, how there's m- 10. How many, yeah. um, what's a typical roster size for like a division one wrestling squad? Oh, about 30. About okay. 30. Okay. Yeah. So they had, I think theirs was actually close to like 50, almost 50 guys. Oh on my roster. gosh. Yeah. They were a huge team and filled with good wrestlers and like, I didn't want to get there and not see Matt times while I was a junior. I was like, you know, I could be taking those tough matches and wrestling in the big tournaments earlier, which, you know, maybe, maybe my practice partners aren't quite as good, but that was like a risk I was willing to take. I came from a small school where I didn't really have practice partners anyway. So it was, it wasn't a big change to me, mm-hmm. but it was kind of that same thinking going behind choosing the MMA lab, because when I went there, it was super obvious that like, whether you were an amateur who just got invited to pro practice or you were Jared Cannonier or Benson Henderson, you were, if you asked for the attention, if you worked hard, you were going to get the attention. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I worried that if I went to like Rufus sport and that's not to say that's how it is there. Cause I don't know, yeah, I yeah. but, uh, that was a concern of mine. And I knew for sure that that wasn't going to happen to me at the lab. So that was, uh, that was a big, big factor in me choosing them. Yeah. It's really interesting because, um, it, like mixed martial arts and like MMA, cause you know how, like in the NFL, when you're in the NFL, you're kind of like in, in MLB and stuff, those kind of guys are isolated, but you have like MMA is so unique in the fact that you can, once you join a gym, you are you, like, you have accessibility to like some of the best guys in the world. So can you kind of like touch on your experiences maybe, and like how cool it's been to kind of just like immerse yourself into a gym and like, I don't know. Cause I feel like it's just so cool how you can get world-class advice. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, you actually like easily, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's, that was one of the cool things that was about the lab was like, uh, Tuesday nights, Benson Henderson is coaching Nogi class yeah. for anybody. Anybody can show yeah. up and go to that <laughs> member, you know, and you get to work with Benson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I first got there, we were going to you know sparring sessions and live wrestling stuff like that. Not not so much live wrestling; I was pretty confident there. But um, uh, any live sparring and or any of the striking days, I was super nervous to like you know go pick somebody really big or really good to go and work with because I was like embarrassed because I was you know I'm still not the greatest striker in the world, and at the time I you know really didn't know what I was doing. And uh, right away was like all right, you Illinois, like I always wore Illinois shirts and Benson go, you Illinois, come here. And I'm rolling with Benson all of a sudden. And it wasn't long before Benson wanted to wrestle with me, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, that was how it worked, man. Like you, if, if you've got something to bring to the table, no, uh, nobody has a problem working with you on the stuff that you're bad at. It's like, you know, all you, (laughs) I'll hold knits for you. It's like a really give and take, like very even, uh, there's is super non egotistical type of environment where, um, you know, you can work with everybody and 
within the first month, you know, I had had rounds with Benson. I had had rounds with Jared and uh, James Nakashima, who's fighting for a one championship yeah. title. Um, Tankino, I've done jujitsu with Tankino Mendez, the ADCC world champ. Um, so, you know, it was like, it was pretty mind blowing that I was going to get into role with the talent I was. And I felt like I was on that level with them in the, in the wrestling world, which I, I think I am. No, yeah, for and sure. It, and I'll say this of like, even the, the dudes who I'm better wrestlers than are like, their work ethic is just so crazy. You know, they're still professional athletes, right? You know, what, whether they're in a discipline that they're not the best at, or they're in their best discipline, they're still professional athletes and they work like it. And, uh, that's really how you get good is be, having that type of cultured attitude and practice. And nobody brings that better than Benson Henderson. I mean, Benson drills in a, a wrestling drill harder than any division one wrestler, any international wrestler that I've ever drilled with. Benson can make me crawl off the mat worse than any of those guys. And I've wrestled with a lot of the, the top guys in division one and, and, uh, and beyond even where I never thought Benson, what well, watching it, when you watch him fight, it's like, Oh, well, why wouldn't you think that? But <laughs> um, yeah, he just, he has on multiple occasions when we break for water, I was like, I don't know if I can go back in there. Yeah. It's an insanely, insanely high paced wrestler, high paced grappler, high paced striker. Just, uh, it puts that pace on you and that's what he brings to practice, you know? So, I mean, as far as getting a role with guys like that, I don't think you can really replace it. Uh, which is kind of contradictory from what I was saying about picking my college out that I didn't really care. Um, you, you can bring that culture yourself, but right. it's a realm where you don't know what you're doing, you know, or like, I didn't know how to strike. I think that's important to have. Mm -hmm, for sure. Would you, how, um, would you say that with your like extensive wrestling background, was it pretty easy to transition into doing jujitsu and stuff? Jujitsu for sure. I, the, the biggest thing that hurt me in jujitsu right away was jujitsu isn't wrestling. Right. Your wrestling helps you like leaps and bounds. Like the funny thing, I was walking around the gym with a white belt for a while. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, I'd walk into, you know, a public class, like a regular class, not pro practice. And some other white belt would walk up to me and I'd forget <laughs> that they're like a CPA or something yeah. and they have to work in the morning and, and like have a regular life. Mm -hmm. And Coach Crouch would, hey, why don't you go a little easier? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize. He's like, if you slow down, you're going to learn it better too. And right. I think that sure. was a big step for me was like throttling back a little bit in jujitsu where it's, it is, it's a little bit more, not the wrestling isn't a chess match, but it's a little bit more of a chess match in jujitsu because those little positions, you really have to feel them out. And if you don't take the time to slow down and feel them out, it's really hard to master it. And that's why I like, they call it like the gentle art is because you're supposed to learn it slow and mm -hmm. wrestling is not like that at all. You're wrestling. Yeah. You start something slow, but it's meant to be done really hard and really fast. And there isn't a ton in jujitsu that is done exactly like that. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're finishing a, a choke, you're finishing a submission or whatever. Yeah. 110% squeeze, but it's not, it's not all about squeeze. It's more about leverage and positioning. Whereas wrestling is more about just, pushing your technique through there's like two philosophies in wrestling you can either you you could be a thief two types of thief either the thief who cracks the window and crawls through or the thief who just kicks the door down and i was very much so the thief who just kicked the front door down in wrestling matches i didn't crawl through any windows mm -hmm. i wasn't you know i was just a in your face forward competitor and uh, that doesn't seem to apply to jujitsu quite as well but it, so was that kind of a transition becoming yeah. more patient? Yeah. Becoming more patient for sure. And I, I, as my career progressed in college as well, I became more of a patient wrestler, mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, I'd force in, in my younger years, college wrestling, I'd force things and lose them. And, uh, I think that comes with just growth and maturity in the sport in general, especially, but that's something you can get very far in college wrestling doing that. And, and still making those mistakes. Whereas in jujitsu like that, you have to start with that level of maturity almost where, um, guys who wrestle, I think struggle a little bit more, but there's, there's still nothing that compare of a lifetime of smashing people, you know, like it's very hard to mimic that. And I like, I like this conversation, like the wrestling and jujitsu contrast. 
And it's one that I, I like to have a lot, especially with jujitsu guys, or especially with guys who just wrestle, um, because there is a difference. And uh, one of the differences that I like to point out that I, th- I think about anyway, is like, you, nobody starts wrestling when they're 25 and becomes a world-class wrestler. But there are plenty of people who start jujitsu when they're 25, 30, and they become very proficient black belts. And I think that is a testament to the brutality of wrestling that doesn't exist quite the same in jujitsu. 110%. Yeah. I agree. So like, would you say, okay, this is, a, this is one of the main questions I wanted to ask you. So like, what's it like kind of knowing, um, in the back of your head that you're, you are so skilled in probably one of the most important, um, like aspects of MMA, like what's how, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge confidence booster. Yeah. Um, I know I always have that to fall back on, you know, it's, you can be a subpar striker and a great wrestler and mm-hmm. go very far. It's a lot harder to be a great striker and a subpar wrestler. Whereas that the wrestling nullifies a lot of things. So I don't want to be the fighter who always looks like he's just in a wrestling match. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's the way it is, but, um, it's, it does give you a sense of security. It gave me like, I bounced for a while. Like I've, I don't know too many football players or wrestlers did it like bounce for, for a little bit in college. And like, I never hit anybody while I was bouncing. It was all double legs, all body locks. I didn't want to hit anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how <laughs> it, um, yeah, it's like it it's kind of like walking around feeling like you have a gun, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know like if you've ever walked around with a gun, but walking around with a gun makes you anti-confrontation. And that's kind of how wrestling is like I don't I don't really care to get in confrontations cuz they don't like they don't jack me up, you know. Whereas like against like an actual skilled fighter it raises my heart rate, right? gets the adrenaline going but I don't care to be in any real confrontation because it doesn't feel like there's as big of an element of danger as there should be. And I think that's, what's important for anybody who learns martial arts is to understand that is like walking around with a loaded gun. And it like, really, it like humbles your spirit mm-hmm. to know that, that you're safe in that way. You yeah. know, or I don't, I don't like to pick fights and that's kind of like the same thing in, in fighting is it like humbles my spirit a lot where like, I don't like to shit talk. I don't do that, you know, but, um, knowing that I always have that to fall back on that if I, if I, you know, run into that high noon situation where my back's against the cage and I can be the better wrestler, it's super comforting, but obviously like there's always a bigger fish and you're going to run into a dude who can wrestle too, or you're going to run into, you know, somebody who maybe they're not the best wrestler. They just have good MMA wrestling defense. Cause there's still a difference when you can get hit. But, um, I mean, wrestling's king. Wrestling is king in MMA. For sure. And no, yeah, 100%. Would you, you would rank you it lose. number one, right? Because I was going to ask you, like, what would you rank the main skills? Would you go, like, wrestling, obviously, number one? And then yeah. would you put, like, kickboxing at two? Yeah, yeah. I'd put, or Muay Thai at Muay two. Thai. Uh, it depends on, depends on, like, traditional Muay Thai guys are, like, like slow starters, you know? But, um some discipline of of striking i wouldn't say boxing necessarily but kickboxing muay thai for sure um if you're unless you're a jiu-jitsu guy who has really good takedowns that's the other one like you can't you can't be a jiu-jitsu guy with bad takedowns you can't have your strongest discipline be on the ground and then not be able to take the fight there you Mm -hmm. know um so i yeah i would definitely put wrestling first and you can break it down farther than that too Whereas we say wrestling, okay, well, like what wrestling? Yeah, I would put Greco number one, Greco, Greco or folk style number one. I'd put freestyle two. Um, you use so much Greco and fighting on your feet. It's like it's the unsung hero of the wrestling world in a, in a fist fight. You know, okay. if you look at some Greco matches, there are points where you're, it looks like they're fist fighting almost. They're head clubbing each other super hard. They're meeting in the middle with their chest. Um, it really, it really helps you develop your hand fighting. Uh, body locks are super important against the cage. Um, so like from, from the feet, I'd say Greco from the ground standpoint, I'd say folk style. That's where you learn how to control people. The sense because Greco, Greco and freestyle aren't about control. They're about, they're about scoring and exposing your opponent. You don't have to have control to score in Greco. I can throw my opponent and they roll across their back. All I did is expose them. I don't have control. They scored. 
Mm-hmm. Folk style is 100% about control. It's about who can control their opponent the most, enforce their will upon their opponent. Opponent, And I think that's the other most important aspect. And I think that's what sets freestyle back from Greco and folk style. Mm-hmm. How are you kind of divvying up your um, training? Because like how hard is it knowing that, because you said you, you need to improve as a striker, but like... Mm-hmm knowing that you're so good at wrestling, how do you kind of balance it out, making sure you're still staying um, sharp with wrestling and like grappling and jujitsu, but also making leaps in your striking game? Yeah. If I do, if I do an extra wrestling workout, it's not for me. I'm going Mm -hmm. in for somebody else, you know, a striker who's not as good at wrestling. Any extra workouts I do outside of our regular practice, they're always striking. Um, Get to work with some really good strikers, uh, like one-on-one Kyle Stewart, he was in the UFC for two fights. I think he's going to be back in the UFC fo- soon. He was just uh, fought in the LFA and uh, showcased some of the wrestling that him and I had been working on. Like I, I never thought I'd see the day where Kyle was going to go in and just manhandle somebody in from the, a wrestling standpoint, and he mm-hmm. did. But he works on me with my striking a lot, and it's been helping a ton. Um, yeah, it's you have to stay sharp with everything. Uh, that's what I think intrigues me the most about MMA. And what I liked about going from folk style to freestyle to Greco throughout the season, it just like uh, mitigates burnout. You know, by the time folk style was over, I was super excited about wrestling Greco and super excited about wrestling freestyle. By the time that was over, I was ready to wrestle folk style again. You don't get that burnout in MMA because I'm doing kickboxing one day, I'm doing jiu-jitsu the next, I'm doing wrestling the next. I have to get my strength and conditioning in. Um, it's always something new, you know. And it keeps you on your toes. You can't ever just decide, oh, well, I'm just going to train this, you know? And uh, I'm not too concerned about my wrestling not being right. sharp. Just no, yeah. Because, yeah, well, and the thing is, like, I, I've been to gyms where there aren't that many good wrestlers, you mm-hmm. know? But since I've been at the lab, and not that we didn't have good wrestlers before I got there, we totally did, um, but we've gotten even more wrestle-heavy. We've added more good wrestlers. And we already had probably like six division one wrestlers in the room three of which were at my weight so it's like i'm still wrestling division one wrestlers every time i go into the practice room so it's like i'm i i thought there was a chance that i was gonna get a little worse at wrestling and i was wrong i like i've gotten better at wrestling i think like i'm wrestling with mark martin who's a three-time ncaa qualifier at ohio state james nakashima was round of 12 from nebraska um T. Edwards wrestled for Arizona State and ODU. Um, Mike Camel wrestled at Wyoming. Diego Bencomo wrestled at Duke. Bryce Meredith is there now. He wrestled at Wyoming as well. Was a two-time NCAA finalist. So, like, God, I got all the talent I could possibly want in practice partners for a wrestling room. I have borderline better talent to work with than I did in college. I, mm-hmm. You could arguably say that. Uh, so. I think I'm sharp there, but yeah, my big concern right now is definitely just polishing out my striking, getting a little more going. Um, you know, and it's like you want to run, you know, but sometimes you got to crawl. And uh, that's what I've really been trying to do is crawl into my striking. I spent about a year, year and a half, um, not focused solely on it, but making it more of the main part of my training. I definitely need to get more in, but I'll always say that like, there's always more I could be doing. I feel like 100%. Yeah. It's definitely, I think as all these wrestlers are seeing so much success, especially at like the welterweight division, more and more guys probably are just going to start entering. So it's only become more and more prevalent for sure. But yeah. So who would you say has probably been, um, the served as the biggest role model for you at MMA lab? Cause it seems like you've had so many guys make a tremendous like impact on your career. Oh yeah. Yeah, I would say, I would say probably, probably, probably Jared. Jared's, uh, Jared's an incredible worker, um, and a, just a phenomenal athlete. And I, I helped him a lot with his wrestling, but, and he helps me a lot with my striking. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing Jared work is really, really impressive, you know, um, and, and taking his advice, being a, a, more of a vet, you know, he's had a lot of UFC fights. He's had a lot of fights. Um, you know, he's he taught me a little bit more to listen to my body and see the, see the way he carries himself in the gym. And that, uh, he's just the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to pick one with the, the guys I've had to look up to and had his training partners. 
Now I'd throw Jared on that list. I'd throw Kyle Stewart on that list. Um, James Nakashima I'd throw on that list. And these are just guys that I work with too. I mean, I guess the biggest role model would be Benson for sure. Yeah. Uh, he's like unbreakable, man. I, I remember the first time I watched Benson, I can't remember what, if he was training for, uh, Chandler or, or who we fought before Chandler, but we were doing our cage rounds and he had three rounds. Now normally like if it's a wrestling day where one guy's going to, so the way we do the rounds is one guy goes in the guy who's fighting, he gets three opponents, you know, usually three opponents. Right. And, uh, in wrestling, when that would happen, it's like, all, everybody's vying to be the guy who gets to go last because you're going to get the tired version of the person mm-hmm. that you're competing with, which makes a lot of sense. And, um, that wasn't what happened when Benson went in. Everybody wanted to go first. And I thought that was interesting and I didn't get why. And after the first round, I understood because Benson was screaming and jumping up and down in between the round. And I was like, Oh, it's because he's just getting started after the first, like he's just getting going. And yeah. And like his, he's all the way turned on now. Everybody wanted to go first because that was where you were going to take the smallest ass whooping was if you were the first guy that went in with Benson. Mm-hmm. And the more he got jacked up, the more tired he felt he made you, the more tired he felt you made him, the better it was for him. And that was like a big, a big thing for me to watch her. I was like, oh, like he's just different. Yeah. <laughs> and that that stuck with me for a long time. I don't think I'll ever forget watching that for the, the first time and, and figuring out what type of competitor he was. Yeah, that's wild. So do you know exactly like what happened with him? Because didn't he leave the UFC on a win? Um, I'm pretty sure he did. And I've always like wondered, I, I think he did. I, I don't know that I can necessarily speak to that. I would assume, um, part of it had to do with sponsorships. Probably. Um, yeah. With, with the Reebok deal and whatnot, or maybe he probably just reached the end of his contract and the USC might not have offered him as much bel- money as Bellator did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, money's still King. Yeah, and, that's true. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, Bellator is buying guys up. Like mm-hmm. uh, they bought Corey Anderson up, even though like yeah. I'm sure the contract that they offered Corey Anderson at the USC was probably fairly good. Mm-hmm. But Bellator oh, yeah. did beat it, you know. Uh, so I would guess that it'd be something along those lines. I've never asked him though. No, yeah. Um, so you kind of touched on this a little bit before, but being like such a like accomplished wrestler, like I've said, was it ever kind of hard transitioning to MMA? Like, um like facing guys that are like better in other skill sets, you know what I mean? Cause MMA is like different. You know what I mean? Was that ever difficult coming from something that you're really good at to like a different kind of realm? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like if you sit around and, uh, think about your opponent enough, you'll eventually make a monster out of them. And, mm-hmm. uh, I just prefer to sit around and make a monster out of myself in my head. I think that's the easiest way to go about things. And I fought guys who, who were pretty talented strikers and, um, you know, I didn't, I know that wrestling is King is all it is at mm-hmm. the end of the day where I'm like, okay, if I'm going to get outstruck, I'm just going to get a takedown if I feel like it. But I have fought some dudes that all my fights before this one were at 185, which is like, yeah, pretty ill-advised. I walk around at like, on a good day 190 i was gonna ask about that so yeah yeah. so this this weight drop isn't even that bad for me um Mm -hmm. but you know i had i had some real david and goliath moments where i was staring at the guy across the cage just like this dude is big those 185 or sometimes like if you're not if you don't know what you're watching you could mistake him for 205 or sometimes yeah they're very easy and like jared I, he's I jacked. I, yeah, he's, he's huge. Yeah, he's not a super tall guy. Like no. he's a, maybe a little bit taller than me. But um, I knew I was going to drop to one seventy eventually. And mm-hmm. the day that I met Jared, I was like, "Oh, like now is when I should drop to one seventy. <laughs> I shouldn't wait at all because yeah. this guy exists, and him and I are hardly the same species. He's just yeah. so big and athletic that." that scared the shit out of me. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like that wrestling too. Big guys always kind of like, like uh, bad juju about him or whatever. And, uh, I thought back about it. And the, the dude I fought last was like six, three, six, four, 
probably hit the cage at like 205 by the time we fought. Oh. I, was, I probably weighed 186 pounds mm-hmm. on fight, you know? Wow. And, uh, yeah. And those dudes were just massive. And uh, I never felt like anybody was that much stronger than me. You know, like they, you can't teach wrestling strength. It's right. you got to earn it over a lifetime. So I, I never felt like outmatched power wise, but um, yeah, I think that was the biggest thing was not necessarily looking at a dude who I had seen knock some people out. It was looking at a dude who looked big and had knocked some people out rather like, Ooh, you know, like a smaller guy, he might catch me and I don't know if he's going to knock me out, but looking at a guy we're like, Ooh, if I make a mistake and I get hit and I get hit hard, I'm going to get put down. And I don't feel that as much at 170 as I do when I look at a 185er. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, I would, I would say it's definitely the combination of the two. Like this guy I'm fighting, he's like, you know, like I wouldn't say he's overly large or anything like that. He's a good striker. I've seen him, I've seen him hit some people pretty hard, but uh, something about it makes it less daunting to know that I'm the same size as him. <laughs> right, for sure. Is the weight cut pretty? Is it not? What's what's kind of the weight cut like, and what's that whole process kind of like? So this weight cut hasn't been bad at all. Um, like mid July, probably I figured out I couldn't eat gluten. Like, okay. Like I was, like, I'm really allergic to it. It was make, yeah, I got really, wow. really sick and, uh, cut out gluten. And I was all better. Did I haven't got that like, on your own. Uh, yeah. Uh, over a week of like horrible trial and error of me, like my mom wanted to take me to the hospital and oh my gosh. I, I like refused. It was like, I'm cause I was only getting sick at night. I like wake up and I'd be like, fine. Not like fine, drained from being sick the night before. And then eventually I would just get sick again. And it was like every night, every night. And if I ate late at night, I'd get sick in the morning. I was like, something I'm eating for sure. And I figured out what was it. But when I cut gluten out, I lost a bunch of weight, like right away. Like I haven't been able to put it back on. I was like, I was was walking around closer to 200. And I, uh, I, yeah, I cut that gluten out and it was like, and I shot down to like 88 and it, like in the course of, well, I actually lost it while I was sick and over okay. the, and I, I wasn't trying to lose weight and I lost like 12 pounds and I was like, oh, uh, wow. yeah, over like six weeks, I'd lost like 12 pounds. I'm like, something's wrong. Uh, I don't, I'm not trying to lose weight. And then like halfway through losing that weight, I tried to gain weight because I noticed I was losing it. And then that was when I started getting sick and, uh, yeah, so this weight cut's been super easy That's good. with my diet I'm on. Um, I can definitely. I'm looking forward to actually getting bigger after this fight, having a little time to put some more muscle back on mm-hmm. and get closer to that like 90, 95, 200 mark again, uh, where I I feel a little bit stronger. I still definitely think I'm going to be stronger than anybody I'm I'm in against in the next you know year or so, whatever. But um, it's very different from cutting weight in wrestling. It's wrestling. Yeah, I was gonna ask what's yeah. I'm I'm assuming it prepared it's prepared you. Like mm-hmm. cutting weight in wrestling has prepared you for the UFC, but is it a little bit different? Yeah, it's definitely different. So in wrestling, uh there are two types of weigh-ins. Well, three every now and then, like a very rare scenario, you'll get a night before weigh-in. There's like two tournaments a year that happens in that are like not folk style tournaments, they're not college tournaments, they're like international ones. Or like uh, uh, national tournaments for freestyle and Greco, um, and then like in uh, two hours before, so you weigh in two hours before you wrestle, or an hour before. So your recovery period is much much different. So where I was I, when I wrestled in college, I was at one seventy four. Now mm-hmm. I'm fighting one seventy. That extra four pounds doesn't scare me in the slightest because I can eat and drink whatever I want for twenty four hours up until the fight you weigh in the day before it's not a big deal um it's definitely a little bit different the way you cut weight in wrestling i feel like uh i feel like you almost like you you cut a little less water and deprive yourself of food a little more it feels like because you get to that point where you're like right before weigh-ins and every 10th counts whereas in fighting it's like i'm only going to be on weight for 30 seconds you know and and in and in fighting weigh-ins are in the afternoon too. A lot of wrestling weigh-ins are in the morning, which means you have to make weight like basically the night before mm-hmm. and then sleep dehydrated, sleep hungry, Brutal. and then wake up and weigh in. 
I, I think making weight for a wrestling match is way more brutal because you're expected to compete right away. And the worst part about it, you got to do it again next week. Right. And some days you got to do it tomorrow. And that sucks is making those two day weigh-ins, having multiple weigh-ins in a week, having, you know, you get done weighing in, you get your recovery food in, you compete, you have your like one meal where you're like, this is the meal. I'm going to like eat whatever I want. And then you wake up Sunday morning and it's like, okay, now I'm 11, 12 pounds over again. <laughs> now let's restart. And it's just like, and it's that for four months. It's like the mm -hmm. most grueling season you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Are you kind of one of those people like after you have um, cut weight and stuff, are you still pretty diligent about what you eat or do you kind of like to like, like not, I mean, obviously they're going to, you're going to balloon up because you're going to be like rehydrating and stuff, but do you like to kind of indulge in some things or do you want to stay a little focused still? A little bit. Yeah. Like I, uh, I used to be really bad, like high school. It was always <laughs> right after I wrestled, it was straight to Culver's. It was the shake, the burger, all nice. of it. And then it was like, I would eat till I could not possibly eat anything else the entire night. And then that was it. And then I had a real shitty week. And, uh, through college, I did that a lot too. It, it, when I started getting into like my more competitive upperclassmen years, my coaches were really good at dialing that in. It was mm -hmm. like, all right, you better be on that scale Monday morning, 10 over, like a, not a pound over you pound over. We're going to do some extra work, you know? And, uh, that dialed me in a lot that, and like, you don't have as much freedom, you know, you wrestle, you get on the bus, what you get on the bus was the food that they gave you the menu that you ordered off of. So it was like. They, they weren't like Nazis about it or anything. It was like, you know, we'd get good food, but, um, it didn't give you the opportunity to just like binge eat and just destroy yourself with food. Yeah. By the time you got home is three in the morning from the bus ride. You just go to sleep and wake <laughs> up. Yeah. I I'm definitely better at it than I used to be. Yeah. Uh, I've got it down pretty good now, but in fighting, it doesn't matter nearly as much. You know, I yeah. make sure I'll put 20 pounds on cause I don't <laughs> got to fight again until, you know, three, four months. Mm -hmm. For sure. What's kind of your nutrition like, like getting, cause it's always interesting to me how guys get down to like a specific weight and sometimes it's crazy weight cut. So what do you, what's your, what's your fight week kind of like in your diet and how do you keep everything so strict? To make yeah, sure so this is, this is like new for me now because of like my new diet restrictions. Okay. So like it's it, oh, I yeah. Yeah, very, sure. very militant. If like I were to eat gluten like Thursday night, I would be in trouble on Friday. Lit up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would, I would have a hard time fighting. I'd, I'd have <laughs> a hard time performing. And uh, so I have to be really, really diligent now with it. Um, before I took this fight, I was actually supposed to fight in Mexico and in San Carlos, which is the same fight that, that not Crow Crop, not Rich, Frank Mir, that Frank oh. Mir's daughter is taking her. Oh, training. really? That's why. Yeah. Isn't she like 16 or 17 or something? I think she's 17. Yeah. Which is probably why San Carlos, Mexico. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was the, that was the card I was supposed to be on. Wow. It was right after I figured out I couldn't eat everything. And I was talking to Benson about it. I was like, I don't know what to do, man. Like, like what is gluten in Spanish? You know, like I can't, I don't know what to eat when <laughs> no, I go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And Benson was like, what I do when I go out of the country and is that I go to, you know, whatever the version of Walmart is there yeah. and I buy an electric griddle and I cook all my own food yeah. the whole week. For sure. Yeah. There's been, I've, there's tons of stories where you, they guys are scared or they're speculating on whether people tamper with their food when they're like in a different country. Like that's scary. I never even thought about that. before. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it either. And, and that's what Benson told me. And I thought about it. Was, that's what I'm gonna have to do. Like, yeah, I take that risk and eat something that's going to make, make my performance bad, especially with the way my diet is now. Mm -hmm. Um, typically though, like I, uh, most fighters do a water load, which, uh, I'm, I'm kind of doing not really, but not to the extent that most fighters do. Cause it's not really as big of a thing in wrestling and wrestling. It's just like you eat and drink healthy and normal and then cut your water in fighting. It's like, let's taper the food, load the water so that when we sweat, it comes off really mm -hmm. easy, which, um, I've had fighters who've done both that were wrestlers that said they really like the water load. Uh, for this one, I, I think I'm close enough to wait that it's not a big deal, 
But the big key is staying as hydrated for as long as you can and making sure that your calories count for something. Like you can't have empty calories uh, fight week just because empty calories add weight but don't add nutrition. Right. So they, I've been on the receiving end of an empty calorie week and then tried to compete where I ate some bullshit because I didn't feel like doing my diet correctly yeah. and then wrestled terribly where I'm like, oh, you know, I had 500 calories today, but like 300 of them were cookies, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was 20 once and that yeah. was shit that I did every now and then. And I never wrestled well those weeks or even worse, like, Ooh, I had, you know, a thousand calories, but a hundred of them were whiskey, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, as a young college wrestler, that happens a lot. And mm-hmm. it just happened to me very often, but, um, those, you can definitely tell when those empty calories hit, cause you feel like shit. And that was a, my biggest night of like trying to eat healthy it was second semester, Sunday nights, Monday yeah. morning from the track. It was like, yeah. if I had a slice of pizza. Sunday night, I felt like ass in the morning and it was yeah. hard to experience. So and it's super important for me now to just be like borderline militant with what I put in my body fight week. For sure. Have you ever, it's kind of an odd question, but have you ever like had to go to the bathroom while competing? Like I feel like I've, I've always wondered like in the back of my head, like what if you're in a title fight and you have to go piss or something like, yeah. So I, I have uh, I've thrown up on the mat. I have, I have never I have never gone to the bathroom on the mat. I have several times though, like, oh my god, I'm up. This match is going on. I'm up next. There's like three minutes left. I have to piss. I have to piss now. And you like sprint to the bathroom and you like try and pee as fast as you can and come out. And fighting sucks because your hands are wrapped and you got gloves on. And you're yeah. like, wash my hands. How does this work? You like run back, you're like trying to compete. And I'm like a nervous peer too. So like I'll pee like 12, 15 times over the course of like three hours while I'm waiting to fight. Um, but I do know a guy who didn't, he didn't poop on the mat, but he got pooped on <laughs> on the mat. Uh, shout out to Putin. Uh, wrestling a dude from Virginia Tech. This probably, I don't know that this guy will ever live it down or, or see the day where he does, where he forgets that this happened to him. But if in the NCAAs in the round of 16, so the match to get into the match that if you win, you're an all American and oh Virginia Tech silver bullets, it's a really light silver. And, uh, Matt was coming around behind him. He was, he was the 174 before I was the 174 at NIU. He was a training partner and like good role model for me as a wrestler. And uh, he's coming from behind and he's got his hand between the legs trying to finish and uh, pulls his arm up. And there's just like runny, just got mud dumped on him. And uh, the ref calls it and it, it smelled really bad too i wasn't there but from what i was told it was a horrendous stench and uh they made him go to the bathroom like you have to go clean yourself up they hit him with his injury time which is five minutes and he comes running back and he's still just covered in nest and they qualified him from the tournament and matt won yeah and every heavyweight poop and our heavyweight comes running down the stairs He's yells, runs past the security guard and yells down, do what just happened? Do what I think happened just happened? And they're just shaking their head, yeah. And then he yells, this is the greatest day of my life. Oh, my. That is yeah, correct. I can't imagine having to live that down. No, that is crazy. Because I've, 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 I've never heard anything like that. But, like, you know, like marathon runners or whatever, when they're running and they run through it. I've seen videos yes. of that, too. That's brutal. Yeah, I can't imagine. I've never been in that stressful of a situation i know people who have but yeah i am very blessed to have not had to have that happen to me (laughs) yeah for sure yeah that's that's something else but so like in terms of your like because you have an amateur career and now you're you're gonna have your first pro fight coming up Mm -hmm. on friday right so when like how do you decipher whether you're whether whether you're ready or not and when whether you can make that leap like do you like talk with your coaches or is it kind of just like a feeling you have where you're like, I'm ready to go a little bit of both. So 
if you don't have that feeling where you're like, I'm ready to go, then you definitely shouldn't be taking the pro fight. <laughs> Probably. That's yeah. True. Yeah. So that was, I, I'm sure there were plenty of people who would have told me to take a pro fight before I was ready, you know, mm -hmm. plenty of gyms, especially smaller gyms where they would have been, they would have loved the opportunity to have like brought me into the cage for a pro fight, mm -hmm. um, before I was actually ready. And, uh, you know, I had a, I've, I've had opportunities that I've turned down, like fairly big ones. Um, I, I had, uh, like I had, so Bellator does like this thing where like where they have their contracted fighters and then they bring local fighters onto a card to keep costs down, you know? Yeah. And I had some of those opportunities where I could have fought in Bellator, uh, like a year and a half ago. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And it seemed like it was happening way too fast. And I said, would you down be fighting like a guy more like on your level or are they going to throw you against a Bellator guy? They wanted me to, they wanted me to fight, uh, Romero Cotton who uh, was a three-time Division II national champ in wrestling <laughs> and had already had, like, five, five pro fights. And oh, dang. Throwing, and at 185. So it was, oh, like, wow, yeah. all wasn't a good idea for me. Mm -hmm. At the time, I really could have – it was, like, right before I was going to move to the lab, and I sat down with my coach at home, and we talked about it. It was like, no. It just – it was a huge risk, and it would have been really dumb to start my pro career out on such a giant risk, you know, you mm -hmm. take a loss right away in your pro career and that follows you forever. Whereas yep. like you lose in your amateur career, who cares? It doesn't follow you anywhere. It gets erased once you go pro. Right. Um, but really when you, when you really know you need to go pro is when you just stop getting amateur fights. And that's where I was, where I had been on a list to get an amateur fight for like three, four months. And Nobody was calling. The people who called would call me back, you know, a day later, like, oh, we can't do it. That the guy backed out, this and that. And that was basically it. And I was sitting next to Coach Crouch at practice one day and I was just like, let's do it. Like I'm just I'm ready. I want to fight. It's been yeah. a while. Like I'm ready. I'll I'll do a pro fight. And he was like, All right, let's make it happen. And I think you're ready. And then that's the conversation you gotta have. Like you need to have the conversation first with yourself and then with yeah. your coach. And People think it's like this big deal, like, oh, he's going pro. It's, it's literally just like a phone call, like, hey, find me a pro fight. You know, it's not like uh, it's Tony Hawk. I, that's where I stole that from was because uh, Tony Hawk went pro when he was like 14. And everybody <laughs> like always asked him like, oh, that's so crazy. He was like, no, I went to a tournament and there was a piece of paper that said amateur and said pro. And I checked the pro box. That was all that happened. And that's kind of what happens in MMA too. Like yeah. there's, there's no cake, you know, there's no, mm -hmm. no party, no streamers, yeah. nothing like that. It's just, yeah, it's time for a pro fight. I, I shouldn't be fighting amateur anymore. I'm ready to get paid for this. Yeah, for sure. So when you're um, like, when you're preparing for your amateur fights, how much of it is focusing on yourself and how much of it is actually like focusing on your opponent? Cause you know what I mean? Cause I feel like you're still in that like progression stage. If you're still an amateur, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I alluded to this a little bit earlier. I said, um, I, I don't prefer to sit around and make a monster out of my opponent. I'd rather sit around and make a monster out of myself. And that's still how I am. It was how I was with wrestling too. Um, I don't want to sit around and, and overanalyze the guy I'm fighting because at the end of the day, what, wins and loses the fight is what i do right it's not it does it has very little to do with your opponent by the time fight time comes you've already won or lost mm -hmm. you've either you've either prepared correctly and True. you have the talent and the mindset to win or you don't and mm -hmm. uh i think that's how i've always thought now do i want to know what to expect yeah like i want to know if, if he's got in a wrestling match is like if he has a really good left-handed high crotch, left-handed headlock or something specific, yeah, I want to know that. And I want to, I want to think about those things and maybe train to gear myself a little bit to them as well. But, um, the end of the day, like I, I firmly believe in the power of me and what I do is going to be the difference maker, um, sitting around thinking about what my opponent does well feels like mentally uh very limiting to to think that so you have to make there's a point of diminishing returns mm -hmm. where 
thinking about your opponent is stealing space from thinking about yourself. Facts. And I like to live in that realm where I'm thinking about myself and what I can do to be the best fighter, best competitor, yeah. best athlete that I can possibly be and spend less time thinking about what my opponent's doing. Yeah. Do you ever, that's completely true. Do you ever find it difficult, especially like, uh, um, do you ever find it difficult finding film on your guys? Like if you ever want to f- f- like, cause like, is that kind of hard studying guys yeah. that might not have the most recognition yet? Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially for amateur fights. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of grainy cell phone videos. <laughs> like one of the first places <laughs> I go to find a find video on an opponent is Facebook. I go right to their really? Facebook. Probably a video on there uh, that somebody took while they were at the fight and you're mm-hmm. listening to like two screaming drunk dudes and holding their, their iPhone up and you're looking at it through the fence. That's the majority of the videos you see, especially at amateurs is uh those videos that just got posted to facebook like i don't care like i'm not knowing that doesn't stop me from a posting videos of myself or b letting people tag me in those videos you know um i i believe in myself enough that if they watch a video of me taking someone down in the first seven seconds of a fight i don't think it's going to make a difference you don't have a lifetime to practice that like Mm -hmm. you're just they're not going to be as good at wrestling as i am for the most part now obviously as you progress in your career you're going to run into more guys that are like that but where i am right now i mean all of my fights that you can find online are videos of me taking people down within the first 15 seconds of the fight so it's like i that i feel the same way about it um you know it it is difficult but everybody's got a guy like I got a guy I can message and be like, tell me about this guy. And he'll message That's me cool. with his resume and, and you know, here's what he's good at. Here's what he's bad at. He's fought this dude, this dude, this dude, you have a common opponent here. You know, everybody's got their guy behind the, the laptop, you know, and uh, they, they definitely help a lot, but it's not like a major part of my camp. For sure. Was your, um was like, Cause it's a, the caged aggression is in Iowa, correct? Was, yep. was your, was traveling and everything. What was traveling like, like airplane wise and like, what are the protocols for like the, um, f- regarding COVID for the fight aggression, like, uh, yeah. promotion. So, um, traveling wasn't so bad. I've been doing a lot of flying lately. So okay. I, was, I was pretty already ready for that today. actually sucked. Um, <laughs> I, I got to the airport at, well, it it sucked in terms of how long it took me mm. to get here because I had a connecting flight. But oh. uh, I I tapered my training so that today could be an off day. Oh, I was nice. expecting it to be an off day, right? I didn't plan to have a ton of work today anyway. So not a huge deal. I got to the airport at 7.45 this morning. I got to my parents' house. which My parents are an hour away from where I'm fighting at. So oh, that's awesome. I'm there right now. Yeah. Um, so I got here at like eight. So I was out and about for like, well, 10 hours because of the time change. But, uh, yeah, we're all going to get COVID tested when we get there. Um, yeah, that's how the, the strict one is like the UFC, you know, like mm-hmm. coach Crouch is getting nose swabbed every other weekend right now. Is yeah, that's just rough. Um, is he with Cannoneer? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah, there he leaves Wednesday. He leaves oh, okay. Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, so is he in Vegas right now? Like the quarantine thing? Uh, I think they leave for Vegas Wednesday. Oh, got it, yeah. got it, got it, got it. Yeah, got it. So they get they get tested in Vegas mm-hmm. when they get there, and then they get tested again before they get on the plane. Then they fly then out. They get, yeah, then they fly out. Then they get tested when they get there, basically, and then they quarantine there, and then they get tested <laughs> again before they fight. It's brutal. Just yeah, watching like the UFC embedded stuff. It's like, geez, man, like you're just chilling yeah. in your hotel room. Like it's insane. Yeah. But yeah. That's awesome. Um, how, so like last thing, I don't want to keep you long. Thank you so much for doing this. This is so cool. Oh, no talking. Um, no do you want to kind of go through your teammate and his upcoming fight with Robert Whitaker, which is ma has massive implications in the middleweight division. Do you want to kind of go through that? Obviously you're going to root for your boy, but like, how do you kind of see that fight going? I think Jared is a tough, I think out of everybody that's in the top five at that weight, I think Jared's the bad matchup for all of them. Um, he hits incredibly hard. Uh, he's a heavyweight. He still throws heavyweight hands. 
Yeah. And uh, his ability to pick out angles up close is pretty, pretty impressive. I've been on the receiving end of it a few times. Yeah. Uh, his wrestling is only getting better. Um, did a lot of study and tape on Whitaker uh, for this fight and watching Whitaker's wrestling. And I think Jared's wrestling matches up just fine with them. I think Jared matches up really well with them. I think, I think Jared matches up well with Izzy. Uh, I, Jared was, Jared's been on standby to fight Izzy before, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, I think if, if Jared, if Jared goes in there and fights the way I know he can, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Whitaker's a tough, tough son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, he is, but he gets it's hit a lot. Yeah. And, and it's tough because it's like a good guy fight. You right. Know? I know. That's the tough thing. Uh-huh. For sure. Is they're both likable dudes, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, you don't want either of them to lose. Obviously, I really, really want Jared to win and I want Robert to lose. It mean a ton for me if uh, Jared got this win and I got to see him fight Israel Adesanya. That would like, I, I can't imagine. It'd be the best thing I've been a part of in my life, maybe, you know? And uh, Jared's just super talented, man. There's, I don't think there's anybody at that weight who's the the athlete that he is. He's the best athlete at 185 by far. Yeah. Um, Better, more of an athlete than Paulo Costa, more of an athlete than any of them. I think Jared works over Paulo Costa. I I think Jared. What did uh, you think of that fight? It went how I thought it was gonna. You know, I didn't. He's not that. Is, I don't think he's that impressive. Obviously, he's a great fighter. He's yeah. in the five in the UFC, but um, I thought he was a little too overconfident after his Romero fight. I was like, yeah. "Bro, you're acting like you walked through him. You did it." I honestly yeah. thought he lost. So I mean, like, yeah, exactly. And I I felt the same way. And and I the way I feel about Jared and Izzy is that I think if if Jared touches Israel Adesanya as much like as it. Kelvin did, going to be a different story. If if he can get in on him as much as Kelvin did, it's going to be a not fun night for Izzy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that about Robert Whitaker too. I think if if Jared touches Robert Whitaker as much as Yoel did, going to be problems, man. He uh, he doesn't hit like an eighty five er. He doesn't hit like a two hundred five. He hits like a heavyweight. And that heavyweight strength that and he's got dad strength. That man is carrying children around all day. He is a monster. Uh, I think I think he puts his hands on on Robert Whitaker, and it's a tough night for him. I, I really think he's going to get it done. I'm super excited for him. Uh, he's had an awesome camp. I I don't really ever see Jared have a bad camp. He's so in tune with his body and so in tune with his training, and picks up on things so fast. Uh, he the way he picks up on wrestling has been very very quick uh, since I've been there. Um, I, I just, from where he was when I got there to where he is now, and I'm not going to like sit and like try and take credit for anything, but just the feeling of him wrestling me now, like he's definitely more, they get definitely more talented wrestler. And you can tell that it's been a big part of his camp. And, uh, like, I don't want to like give away anything, but like, Jared's going to be tough to take down. Even, even with Whitaker's good wrestling, uh, Jared has a way of making people want to wrestle him. You know, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I wouldn't want to stand with that guy either. Yeah, and I think we're ready for anything, anything Robert Whitaker can bring. Hundred percent. What do you think about the main event? Uh, I'm, this is the fight card of the millennium. No, but I, I, I want to know who's gonna fight. Is Islam Makachev? Is that fight like off? Because RDA got like COVID. Because I was I digging know. that fight. I was like, let's go. <laughs> if Michael Chandler gets brought in for that fight. I think that's the move marketing wise. Um, it's, yeah, it's yeah. the part of, it's the, maybe the best card ever. It could, it you, could, could shape up to be one of the best cards. Definitely card of the year. Definitely yeah. card of your contender. Um, because Walt ben, Harris is fighting like Alexander Volkov on there. Yeah. That's a good oh. fight too. Yeah. It's, but if anybody can beat Habib, it's Justin Gaethje. Honestly, and you feel that way. Like a hundred percent. And I'm a big Habib fanboy. I was a Habib <laughs> boy before Connor, you know? Yeah. I I remember that actually when I fought in Mexico was the night before that fight. So I watched that fight with a bunch of fighters in Mexico and everybody was riding Connor. And I was like, <laughs> he's going to maul him. He's going to yeah. maul him. It's going to be a finish for sure. And everybody thought I was crazy. 
he's <laughs> on another level there. Mm-hmm. But Justin Gaethje, has, I don't think he's ever been taken down. You know? Yeah, no one's ever tested it. Yeah, yeah. He's extremely hard to take down, and I think he's the better striker for sure. If he gets in close and 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 lands like he did on Tony, oh I don't my think. God. Yeah, Habib's never been in a fight like that. No. You know. So I'm really excited for it, man. I'm I'm rooting my first time rooting against Habib just because I like Gaethje so much, and I won't root against America for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I. It's just gonna. I think it's just gonna be a great card. I'm all around excited for it. Casey Kenny's on it now too. Oh really? Teammates. Yeah, he's fighting Nathaniel Wood. After that. Oh turnaround, dang, dude! Yeah. Nathaniel Wood's a baller, but that's gonna be a good one. That's awesome. Yeah. After Casey barbecued. Alatang's ribs the other weekend just absolutely had a barbecue on him. Just like, oh, just the redness and swelling on that dude's ribs after 15 minutes with Casey Kenny uh, is insane. And Casey is a fighter, man. He loves to fight. I got to watch that dude sign for like a short notice fight. We were, I walked in the locker room, it was just me and him, and he put his phone down. He started jumping up and down. And I was like, what is going on? He goes, I just signed him fighting in like nine days. And just how, if when I sign like that, especially a short notice fight, I don't like, I'm excited, but not the way Casey Kenny is excited. Casey, it's like watching the mailman walk to the door and your dog (laughs) is flipping out. That was what it was like watching Casey get excited for a short notice fight. So that dude loves to fight, man. And I'm excited for I'm I'm equally excited for that fight as I am for the rest of the card. Because Nathaniel Wood is tough, and I think it's a great matchup for Casey. It's going to be an awesome fight. Like, how motivating is it for you to be around all these guys getting such, like, awesome opportunities and, like, one day knowing that you're going to be at that stage? Like, how cool is that? Oh, yeah. Like, getting getting to ride along with that, like, uh, Kyler Phillips. He's right, another, yeah. yeah. Another one in our camp that uh you know walked through the mud for a little while and probably should have been should have been in the usc a little earlier than he was and uh watching him just like just shine you know in the ufc is like super motivating where i'm like gosh i'm right there with them i'm gonna be there someday and uh i get to follow in their footsteps and they're all great examples for me and they're all great examples for everyone on the team and uh it's just like you're in good company you know you're gonna be there too yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for doing this. This is so cool. You're awesome. I wish you nothing but the best of luck on Friday. Like, do you want to plug your fight and like, like, oh, and yeah. also I wanted to mention it's pretty sick how the pay-per-view goes to like you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's really uh, cool. I've had fights where they don't do that. This one's really cool. They're doing that. So uh, you're going to want to go to cagedaggression.tv and select me as your fighter and check the pay-per-view out on Friday night. There's going to be a ton of great fights. That is awesome. Thank you so much again. I know it's been a long day of travel. Thank you so much. This is so cool. And hopefully maybe have you on again sometime. That'd be awesome. Yeah, definitely. I'm always down, man. Awesome. Thank you so much and good luck. Yep. Thank you. Take it easy, brother.